0: The market in some ways is like this epic tug of war between two groups, two different parties that each take a different side. They're pulling as hard as they can and trying not to fall into the pit. The tug of war of course is between the bear and the bulls and the pit is losing a lot of money. And right now a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'm not on the right side of this tug of war. I don't like my team. I think they're going to fall into the pit and I want to move to the other side. Retail investors who helped push stocks to all time highs are now trying a different tactic. Betting against the market. From January to August this year, even before the most recent slump in stocks, a number of newly opened short positions on trading platform eToro was 61% higher than in 2021. The amount of shorts is 61% higher and 41% higher than 2020. Meanwhile, some of the biggest US exchange traded funds that bet against popular indices are raking in record amounts of cash. So there's two different ways that retail investors are shorting the market. We have a 61% increase in the amount of retail investors taking out specific short positions against different stocks. So they're going into their brokerage and shorting a specific company, but that's not the only way you can short the market. For example, there's different ETFs now like SQQQ. This is the ProShares Ultra Pro short QQQ ETF. And it basically operates exactly how you'd imagine it. You invest in this to short the QQQ, to have almost an inverse mirror relationship with where it actually goes. So while the actual QQQ is down over 20% year to date, the short QQQ is up 20% year to date. And those type of ETFs are becoming increasingly popular in retail investors' portfolios. In fact, to highlight how popular shorting has become, here's a visual illustration of it. I'll throw it on the screen. We can can look at the amount of inflows of money going into the SH ETF, which is shorting the S&P 500. Visually, no other year really comes close unless you go all the way back to 2009. You have to go back to that financial crisis to get even close to 2022, and it's still not above 2022. More individual investors are shorting now than they did during the financial crisis. And even to add to that, a lot of these short positions are actually pretty aggressive. They're not just simple hedges. ETFs that are short that also use leverage to exaggerate those short positions have attracted over $5.8 billion in new inflows just this year. Now the short thesis of the bears is pretty simple. The market went up when the Fed was lowering interest rates, when they were printing out cash, when they're doing quantitative easing. Now that that environment has reversed, it's time to get on the other side of the market. Short positions are betting on big drops in the market. They say with the Federal Reserve aggressively hiking interest rates, to fight inflation, and Europe's energy crisis intensifying, along with turmoil in the UK markets, there's little for investors to be optimistic about. So the short thesis seems pretty simple. And why isn't everyone doing this? This is an easy way to make money during a market downtrend. Well, Bloomberg does highlight some risks to the strategy. For example, they say, It's becoming more expensive to borrow stocks to short as more people try to do so. Remember, when you're shorting a stock, you're borrowing it and you have to pay interest while you're borrowing it. So you have to not only be right that the stock market goes down, but it actually costs you money the longer that you're wrong. If markets even trade flat, you're still paying interest to borrow those stocks. That's one of the many risks of shorting the market. But also the interest on borrowing stocks, in my opinion, is one of the smaller risks. I actually think there's much bigger risks to shorting the stock market than what's outlined in this article. And this is where I want to highlight some extra considerations before you decide to hedge or short with your portfolio. There's an article that Peter Lynch, one of the greatest investors to ever live, published in 1995. It's called The Fair of Crashing. And in this publication, Peter Lynch talks specifically about hedging a portfolio. A lot of investors treat hedging like a very smart intelligent, sensible way of controlling risk in your portfolio. In fact, in almost every single investing definition, hedging is used to reduce risk. That is the terms used. Hedging is really shorting some of your portfolio, but not all of it. So if the market goes down, the damage to your portfolio is minimized. That's the role that hedging plays. And hedging is looked at as a way to preserve wealth. Now, Peter Lynch disagrees with this, and I think he brings up some decent points here. He says, anticipating a drop in the market, the skittish investor Begins to dabble in futures and options, which is how hedging works. If you are betting against the market or betting that it will go down, you are either using futures and options or you're investing in an ETF that uses futures and options. He says it's the kind of investment that will make a profit when stocks decline. People think of this as correction insurance. It seems cheap at first, but the options expire every couple of months. And if the stocks don't go down on schedule, people have to buy more options to renew the policy. Suddenly, investing isn't so simple. Investors can't decide whether they're rooting for stocks to falter so this insurance will pay off or for stocks to rally for the sake of their portfolio. And that is the main issue with hedging your portfolio. It puts you in a compromised position. When you're hedging your portfolio, you don't know what direction you really want the stock market to go. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of investors that agree with me. Hedging is a little bit more complex than most strategies, and it puts you in that difficult situation. So I know a lot of investors are saying, Joseph, I don't hedge my portfolio. That's not something that I wanna do. But what I'm gonna do, just because the market's in a downtrend, is I'm gonna carry a lot of cash. I'll put 20 or 30 or 50% of my portfolio in cash so that as the market goes down, I can snatch up better deals and better prices. That way I'm not really betting against the market. I'm not shorting it and I'm not even hedging my portfolio. I'm just lightening up on my exposure to another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The stock market for the time being. Well, Peter Lynch talks specifically about this strategy. He says the second and more prevalent mistake is the ritual known as lightening up. This time, the skittish investor, again, fearing a correction is imminent, sells some or all of their stocks and stock mutual funds, or they put off buying stocks in companies they like and they sit on cash, waiting for the crash. Quote, better safe than sorry, they tell themselves. I'll wait for the day of reckoning when all the suckers who didn't see this coming are waiting and gnashing their teeth, and I'll snap up bargains left and right. But there's once again a big problem with this strategy. Once the market reaches the bottom, The cash sitters are likely to continue sitting on their cash, waiting for further declines that never come, and they miss the massive rebound in the market. So it's interesting to me that Peter Lynch lived through multiple drops in the market of 20% or more, and in all of those cases of the market going down, he never once hedged his portfolio, he never once sat in cash, he never once raised his cash balance to 20 or 30% of his portfolio, he stayed fully invested the entire time. And not only that, he spoke specifically against both strategies. The truth of the matter is, the investors that do this are not long-term investors. They're not. They've turned themselves into market timers. Market timing's difficult. Most investors can't do it correctly and they end up losing more money than they gain. So the problem with shorting the market, just like raising cash, is that you're timing the market. That is the biggest underlying fundamental problem with shorting or raising cash. In both cases, you're trying to outsmart the movements of the market. In my opinion, reading news about how lots of retail investors are rushing to short the market after it's already down 21% speaks to how investors do things incorrectly. How they mistime the market over and over again. Investors aren't bearish when the market's at all time highs, when stocks are going way up in value above their intrinsic value. But as soon as the market starts to fall and valuations come down and companies' cash flows become more attractive, that's when retail investors have the genius idea to change gears and then now become short the market. And I think the biggest challenge for retail investors is something called recency bias. It's one of those behavioral things that plays with our emotions and it makes it so that we often make irrational or Logical decisions. Basically, a way to describe recency bias is we think the same thing that recently happened is going to continue happening. In 2020 to 2021, the market was going up, and people became more bullish, more aggressive, piling into the most risk-on assets like Ark Invest right at the top. Now that the market's flipped and it started to go down, investors are looking at the recent past and extrapolating it far into the future, thinking that the same situation that's happened over the past couple of years is going to continue happening indefinitely. And now they're making huge bets on the extrapolation of the recent past. And I just have to ask, is this the best strategy? Is this really the best we got? Waiting for the market to trade down 21% and then we decide to go bearish? Then we decide to short the market? It's starting to make a little bit more sense of why the average investor has horrible returns. I can't imagine this being a good strategy and I can't imagine good investors doing this. It's difficult to not have recency bias. It is something that every human, for the most part, has as a natural part of our behavior. And combating that is going against the grain. But there's a couple investors that don't have recency bias, that look at things pretty objectively, and Bill Ackman's one of them. And he highlights how radically things can change in a very short period of time. He gives the example of inflation.
1: Are the central banks around the world going to stop this uh, out-of-control inflation? I would say... I think they will. Uh, and where, you know, what's the new level of long-term inflation? Is it going to be, are we in a world where it's difficult to create, you know, with the federal, you know, as recently as, I don't know, 24 months ago, uh, central banks around the world were worried about deflation. Um, and uh, that's been a very, very dramatic
0: change. I think that's a very valid point to bring up. Just a couple years ago, the entire world was very concerned about deflation, the opposite of inflation. Now we're all super concerned about inflation and acting like it will never go back down ever again. Now, Bill Ackman gives his line of thinking of where we are right now and what's the best move for investors.
1: I think you can do very well as a stock market investor if you find really high quality companies and you buy them at attractive prices. And I think today... You know, it's a pretty good time. It's a pretty good point of entry, right? You know, March of twenty was obviously a very, very good entry point. And anyone who bought stocks in March of twenty twenty, something I went on TV and advocated um, on March eighteenth of twenty twenty, I said this is a, this is a moment. I think this is sort of another moment where I don't know how well you're going to do over the next three or six months, twelve months. It's a highly uncertain world, but over the next three, four, five, ten years. It's a pretty good place to to be an investor or time to commit more capital to equity markets.
0: He gives his second buy signal over the past couple of years, the first one being March of 2020, which for a lot of investors was a pretty obvious time to start buying the dip. The market sold off and every power at will was working to prop up the market. Right now it's a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit less certain, but Bill Ackman is once again saying it's time to buy and investors at this point aren't listening. Now there is one important caveat to what Bill Ackman says to buy. He doesn't just say to go out and buy anything. He specifically highlights the type of companies that he thinks are important to focus on right now.
1: Although I would, you gotta you got to pick carefully. You wanna own the super high quality, well-capitalized dominant businesses that you know will be here, you know, 30 years from
0: now. And those are the type of companies that I seek to own on my channel. They're the ones that I specifically focus on. So far, between the pivot of retail investors moving to shorting stocks and investors like Bill Ackman, I find myself agreeing more with the thought process of Bill Ackman. I agree that I think it's a really good time to buy into high quality companies. And that's why I've been buying in my portfolio every single week on schedule. The only time that I actually sell a holding is to buy a different holding that I think is better value. But I stay 100% invested all of the the time, buying companies over and over again. Now, Bill Ackman's not the only one throwing out the buy signal. We also have Aswath Namadoran, the dean of valuation, saying that he thinks now is a decent time to start buying and be fully invested, but he also gives a couple qualifications of what you should be buying. And with that worry in mind, I want to steer away from companies which are close to the edge. You know, so as an investor, I'm clearly and you know, I'm fully invested but I want to stay away from companies that are too highly levered, that have big fixed costs, because my worry is if that shock kicks in, those are the companies that are most likely to feel the impact. He says that he's fully invested, but to also avoid companies close to the edge. Companies that use a lot of leverage, that have high fixed costs. Another way to kind of reverse what Aswat Namadorn is actually saying is to focus on high quality companies that don't employ a lot of leverage and that have very high margins and to not be invested in a lot of bad companies. Aswath is mimicking the same thing that Ackman just said, but he's wording it in a different way. Now, finally, we have Jeremy Siegel's thoughts on this. Is now a good time to be buying? Um, If you're a long-term investor, I would absolutely buy now. Um, I mean, I I think these are absolutely great long-term values. Well, could it go down more? Of of course, in the short run, in in bear markets, it's gone down more. Uh, But when you're talking about 16 times earnings and even if they're clipped by a recession and and you shouldn't just base it on recession earnings, you should base it on longer term earnings, uh, which I think are very favorable looking beyond the dip. I think, I think these are just ap- absolutely excellent values. Once again, now's the time to buy and we can't predict the short term. They're always giving that caveat, that even though they think that now's a really good time to be buying over the long term, they still can't predict the price action in the short term. So overall, when I balance out the different thoughts and the different arguments here, I think there is a good argument. There is a case to be made for hedging the portfolio or raising cash, and there's many people that will highlight how much money they've made doing that or how much money they've saved by being 70% cash during this downturn. There's always some people that will expertly time the market and there's always examples of people doing that. In my case, I think that anytime I consider hedging my portfolio. Anytime I really consider doing that, I always come to the conclusion that I'm trying to time the market. That's really what I'm trying to do. And I have no confidence in my ability to be able to time the market. So I don't blame you if you hold a lot of cash and I don't blame you if you're hedging your portfolio. Everyone can do their own strategy, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm gonna remain fully invested. I'm gonna continue dollar cost averaging in all the way throughout this bear market. I'll see it to the complete bottom because at some point, this is gonna turn around. That is something I'm confident of. Now, moving on, I wanna talk about one last subject, and that is the roller coaster of a ride this stock market has been since the beginning. I started my portfolio back in 2019. That's when I did my original upload, showing what I was buying and what my returns were, and what the whole thesis of the passive income account was. And over this time period, over the past couple of years, I've made hundreds of videos on different investing topics, teaching the basics about it, doing fundamental analysis on companies and ETFs, and commentary on news and events. And it's been quite the journey over this time period. We've got to the point where the YouTube channel has grown in size and has over a quarter million subscribers. It's been quite the journey for both my portfolio and this YouTube channel. And I'm always excited and looking forward to what's going to happen next week. But I want to share someone else's journey over the same time period. I want to share the investing journey of Dave Portnoy. And here we have a compilation of different clips of Dave Portnoy investing in the stock market and the month, the actual month of the year that these clips happened. It starts off back in 2019 before the whole COVID dip. Back when times were good and investing was easy. This is one of the funniest little montages I think I've ever seen. So I hope you enjoy Good luck to all you traders out there. Let's have a f- day.
2: Let's run it. One eighty nine forty seven. What did I tell you? This was gonna do. I told you. anybody can do this game. This is so much better than gambling. Eighty twenty three. That's what I'm talking about. Puts these f- in the face. That was some trading, boys. That was some trading. Oh, quick thirty grand on CBS. That is how you trade. This game is so. F- I'm like the genius. This guy, this guy, people have been doing this their whole life, I've been doing it 10 minutes, I'm doing it better than they ever dreamed up, 203, if I can do that I make twenty two million a year, keep it up, I am rearranging the stock market's face, it's all about minimizing risk, you panic, masters of panic out there, uh oh, happy learned how to putt, uh oh, happy learned how to short some stocks and turn a quick 20k profit in 5 seconds. I'm smarter than the algorithms. I hate my stockbroker. I hate Stu Finer. I hate everybody. Don't text me at the opening. Unbelievable. Lulu's down a 186. Do the math. I have nothing to say about Boeing. I can't get on the right side of Boeing. Boeing sucks. Stop touching Boeing! This is the lowest it's been for Davy Day Trade Global. It, it, it's, a, it's a bloodbath. Down a half a mil. To in the second session. Oh, don't buy. F- it'll go down. It will. How many, how many top Wall Street firms can't get their computer to work? Three minutes before this thing clicks open, I'm down a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I've lost my mind. I'm already getting... Th- I'm already getting, the whole thing makes no sense. We're living in a matrix. They're box. We're dealing with shrewp at this point. Do I buy more Boeing? This is too warm, Welker, you piece of shit. I asked for t-shirts.
0: I think overall that montage accurately illustrates the roller coaster of the past couple of years. That's all for now. I'll see you in the next one.